chapter 8, Romans chapter 8. I want to talk to you today about being a spirit-led person. We, we started uh, two Sundays ago, we started with a series on what is a spirit-filled church. And I think that's our heart, to be a spirit-filled church. And part of being a spirit-filled church is to be led by the Spirit of God. Amen? How many want God to lead you in your life? I think every Christian does. Amen? David, in the, in the beautiful 23rd Psalm, what did he say? He leads me beside the still waters. What did he say? He uh, he also said, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. So he understood that God's plan is to lead us to the good things in life, to fulfill his plan for our lives. And so today I want you to look at Romans 8, verse 13. We're going to begin there. And we're going to, we're going to think about being led by the Spirit. Because most Christians have that desire, but we don't know how to make sure that we're being led by the Spirit. And many times we'll end up thinking, well, I'm kind of in a mess. I must not have been le led by the Lord. I must have been led by something else, led by the flesh. Has your flesh ever tried to lead you? Yes, all the time, right? There's, there's three, three different kingdoms that want to lead you, and it's the kingdom of the flesh, the kingdom of darkness, and the kingdom of God. And so when the Spirit is leading you, the kingdom of God is leading you in life. He will lead you to the good things, to the best things, to his plan and fulfillment. So let's look at this great passage of Scripture. Romans 8, chapter, I mean 8, verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. How many have realized that? But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Amen? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Now look at verse 14 again. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now it's easy for us to miss understand that verse it's easy for us to read that and think well being led by the spirit is proof that I am a son or daughter of God so I need to make sure that I'm led by the spirit so that so to prove that that I'm one of God's kids that I'm his son or that I'm his daughter and that is not what the verse is saying what the verse is telling us there is that when you are a son or daughter of God, the Spirit of God will lead and guide and direct your life. Now you see the difference? And I, I want us to see this in, in various texts today. But we need to understand that it's not saying if you're 
that, that being led by the Spirit is proof. It's the seal that I'm one of God's kids. It's a natural promise of God. It's what God does in our life when we commit our hearts to him, when we say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Guess what? The presence of God is there. He comes into your heart and life, and he is going to guide you because you are his son or his daughter. Aren't you thankful for that? So those that enter into this relationship with God, the Holy Spirit will continue to guide and direct us. Now, how many have ever ended up in a situation that you just, it was a mess? Or a situation that you did something dumb? And you think, I'm not being led of the Spirit. Most likely, you are probably being led of the flesh. Because <laughs> the flesh leads to death. The flesh leads to destruction. Or the enemies all the time, the enemy's trying to trick us or to trap us, deceive us, so that he leads us in the wrong direction. But we have the assurance that the presence of God is with us and that he leads and guides and directs his children. David understood this. I mentioned the 23rd Psalm. I want to mention another verse of David in Psalm 63, verse 1. David says, Oh God, you are my God. How many feel like that today? God, you're my God. He says, Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. Now listen to what he says about the flesh. He says, My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. My soul or my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. The flesh is not the source of living water. The flesh is not the source that we need to, to continue to live a godly life, to, to do what God's called us to do. And David, in this time, he was in the wilderness. He was actually running for his life. He was a fugitive, and he's in the middle of, of the desert. And he's saying that his flesh isn't the source of what he needs. Amen? He needed the power and the presence of God. He needed the leading of the Spirit of God in his life. And it's not the flesh that restores or brings that living water to our lives. Jesus said that rivers of living water will flow from our innermost being. And that river doesn't come from the flesh. That river comes from the Spirit of the living God. Amen? Now, there's a principle here that we need to understand that, that the flesh is a, a desert when it comes to the spirit uh, uh, resource or the, 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 the water of the spirit, the water of life, and that the, the flesh will lead us to the brink of death actually is what it means in the original Greek in Romans 8, that it leads us to the brink of death. But if we follow the Spirit, we're going to have that water of life flowing in our lives. Now, the, the answer to not follow after the flesh is to what? Follow the leading of the Spirit. But how do we do that? How many have ever wondered, how do I, I, I allow the Spirit of God to lead me? How, how do I know that I'm being led by the Spirit? 
Well, I want to look today at Israel because Israel gives us an answer, a beautiful answer to that question. But before we go to Israel, we need to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. I refer to this often, and it's an important verse, and and you'll see why. It says, now all these things happened to them, speaking of Israel, as examples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the age, ages has come, have come. What is that saying? It's saying all these things or everything that happened in the, in the lives of God's people as he delivered them, as he brought them out, He brought them out of Egypt, and he brought them to the land of Canaan. Amen? All of these things that they went through teach us things about how God wants to work in our lives, how how he wants to relate to us. So when we look at at them escaping Egypt and God bringing them out and bringing them into the promised land, we learn things that God wants to do in our lives. And I am thankful I no longer live in Egypt. How about you? Amen? God, Egypt is a picture of a life of sin, a life away from God, a life in the bondage of sin. And as a Christian, we have been set free from Egypt. We don't live in Egypt anymore. Amen? And we're on our way to to glory. We're on our way to the, the promises that God has for our lives here in eternity. Now again, in our text, verse 13 said, For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. And David said, my flesh is a dry and thirsty land. So let's look at Exodus. Let's look at Israel now. Exodus chapter 13, verse 20 through 22. So they took their journey from Succoth and camped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. So as to go by day and night. Notice God was leading them night and day. He gave them a pillar of smoke by day that would, that would follow. It would lead them where God wanted them to go. And at night, there would be a pillar of fire leading them in, in God's direction or God's ways. How many like that idea? God was with them night and day, always leading them. Amen? Look at verse 21 again. It says, and the Lord went before them. He was there. He was leading them. And verse 22 says, listen to this. He did not take away the pillar. Everybody say that with me. He did not take away the pillar. He didn't take away his presence from leading them. That's powerful, church. It's powerful. Why is that powerful, Pastor Milt? Why are you excited about that, Pastor Milt? Because they made dumb mistakes, they sinned, they did things they shouldn't have done, but God never took his presence away from leading them. Oh, two people like that. Maybe I need to stay there for a while and preach that. How many ever make a dumb mistake? You let the flesh lead you. How many have ever been disobedient to God and you end up in a great big mess? Guess what? 
The presence of God did not leave you. He is there wanting to lead you out of that back on the road into his promises and blessings. Amen. I love that. And the Lord went before them and he did not take away the pillar. That's powerful, church. Now, notice that Israel wasn't a group of spiritual giants. He didn't say, I'm going to give my presence to you and I'm going to guide and direct you based on what they did or how spiritually mature they were. He did it because they were his people. And we are his people. Amen? So the moment you say, Christ, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I want you to be my Lord, the Lord of my life. His presence is there. Amen? And his presence isn't going to leave you. He's going to guide you and direct you. Even when you let the flesh mess things up. Even when you boldly disobey him and sin, he is still there to draw you back, to get you back in line. That's the powerful picture that we see with Israel. Aren't you thankful for that? Now look at Exodus 19 with me, verses 5 and 6. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That was God's heart for Israel. And guess what? That's God's heart for the church. That's God's heart for you. In fact, 1 Peter says something very close to that. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. How many have been called out of darkness into the marvelous light of God? Amen. Oh, y'all just aren't with it today. Are you tired or what? Hey, that's good stuff, amen. I'm not in darkness anymore. I'm in the marvelous light of God. I'm living in his light. I'm going forward in his light. He's leading and guiding and directing me. Now, the word church, ecclesia, it's an interesting word. The word church literally means called out. It comes from two Greek words. Ek, which means out of, and klesia, which is from the verb kelao, which means called out. So it's called out. We're called out of the darkness and we responded to God. We're the called out ones. Amen? How many here today would say, I am called out of the darkness into his marvelous light? That's what it's talking about. That's what the church is. Now let's go to the birth of the church. We've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Let's read it again. There's something new I want us to look at in a different way. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, 
They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Pastor Jack Hayford, one of my mentors, I love Pastor Jack. He pastored in Van Nuys, California for years. And I've, I've gone to his school, been in his home. He's just an awesome Bible teacher. And he had something very profound to say about this. And I, I want to just quote him. He said, now think about this. It seems that everyone in the upper room received their own glory cloud. A sign of the Holy Spirit coming to lead them. The fire set upon each one of them. They were seeing in the spiritual realm, and they, church, they weren't seeing a candle. They didn't have a lamp or a candle and, and say, look at my little light shine and put it on my head. What was happening here? They were seeing into the spiritual realm. And they saw fire come down and part, and over each one of them was a flame of fire. Now think about that. We just read where Israel... God's presence was there through the smoke by day and the fire by night. And the fire of God's presence was leading them. And church, I believe with all my heart that if we could see in the spiritual realm today, if you have committed your heart to Jesus Christ, if you have made him Lord of your life, if, if the, the veil of this reality that we live in, if we could see into the heavenly realm, that we would see those pillars of fire above each one of us guiding and directing our lives. That's what he was saying there. And I, I want to take you to two other instances. In 2 Kings chapter 6, everybody remembers Elisha and Gehazi, his servant. Then it says in chapter 6 of 2 Kings verse 15, And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Have you ever heard anybody say that? Or something similar? Have you ever felt like that? You see the enemy all around you. You see you're in a big mess. You see the, the attacks of the enemy. Alas, my master, what shall we do? Have you ever ha had a Christian that had that attitude? Every time you see him, it's, it's kind of like the Eeyore attitude. I'll ask my master, what do we do? Well, Elisha prayed for him. What, what happens? He, Elisha prays for him. He says in verse 16, So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. 
Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. He opened his eyes to the spiritual realm. Church, we don't see everything that God's doing, but I guarantee you, if, if we were like the servant, and God opened our eyes to the spiritual realm, we would see the glorious chariots of fire and the angels of God encamped around about us because we are His. And I believe just like at the day of Pentecost, we would see that fire of God's presence that leads and guides and directs our lives. I love that. Don't you? Now I want to refer to another passage. It's Isaiah chapter 4. I love this chapter. We could go there and spend the rest of the day, but I'm not going to do that to you. But there's two verses I want us to see. This is a pre prophetic passage of Scripture talking about the fullness of what God's going to do in, in, in his people. Now look at Isaiah 4, verse 5 and 6. Then the Lord will create above every dwelling place of Mount Zion and above her assemblies a cloud and smoke by day and the shining of a flaming fire by night. For over all the glory there will be a covering. Does that sound familiar? This prophecy is related to Israel and the cloud and the fire. And he's saying that over every dwelling place, now I've read this, I've preached on it, and I've never thought about it this way. I, the way I've preached it in the past is, where do you dwell? Where do you dwell? Do you dwell in an apartment, in a condo, in a mansion, in a cabin? Wherever you dwell, you can expect the glory cloud of God to be a covering over your home, over your dwelling place. But guess what? You and I, we are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. So expect the glory cloud of God to be over your life. The fire of God's presence to lead you and guide you and direct you. And you say, well, pastor, that says over every dwelling place of Mount Zion. How, do we, how does that relate to us? Let me tell you how it relates to you. Turn to somebody and say, Listen, this is going to be good. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. Are you registered in heaven? You're registered as being a citizen of Zion. Some of you are going, show me that in the Word. Go to Psalm 87. Psalm 87 reaffirms what we just read in Hebrews 12. Listen to this. His foundation is in the holy mountains. The Lord loves the gates of Zion. More than all the dwelling 
dwellings of Jacob, glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God. Now listen at verse 4. I will make mention of Rahab and Babylon to those who know me. Behold, O Philistia and Tyre with Ethiopia, this one was born there. Did you see that? He's listing several different countries. And he's saying this one was born there. Where? What's he talking about? The context, Zion. Listen to it. And of Zion it will be said, this one and that one were born in her. And the Most High himself shall establish her. The Lord will record when he registers the peoples. There it is, talking about God registering. This one was born there. God registers our name in the book of life when we commit our lives to him. Amen? We are registered in heaven, but did you realize that it says in, in Psalm 87, and we just referred to it in Hebrews 12, this one is what? Born there. Now these people were from various different countries. But it's saying your citizenship is in heaven. Your citizenship is that you were born in the city of God. You and I have a spiritual birth certificate. You know, I was born in Fort Worth, Texas. If you listen to me talk long enough, you can realize that. It doesn't matter where you were born, you have a certificate where God wrote your name down as being born in the city of God. You're born in the city of Zion. We need to stay there for a while. We need to get that into our hearts. God says that I wasn't born in Fort Worth, Texas, that my citizenship isn't in the United States, but my citizenship is in Zion. Now, I want you to let God speak that to your heart today. I am a citizen of God's city. I am a citizen of heavenly Jerusalem, of Zion. My birth certificate says I am his son. I am his daughter. Here's the proof I have a birth certificate that says I was born in the city of God. Oh, I don't know. Y'all are, I don't know. This was a lot better to me when I was studying it than what y'all are responding to. That's all I got to say. Think about it, church. God himself registered your name in the book of life and you are recorded as being born in the city of Zion for eternity. That's where your citizenship is. We're citizens of Zion. Amen. Amen. You believe that? Yes. Amen. Yes. I, want, I want us to look at a couple other things. In the passage in Isaiah, it says, above every dwelling place of Mount Zion, above her assemblies, 
a cloud of smoke by day and the shining of a flaming fire by night. That's symbolic. That's speaking of the presence of God. Church, you don't have to worry about being led by the Spirit of God. His presence is there. The glory canopy of God is over your dwelling place. God will lead you unless you decide to follow the flesh or to fall for a trick of the enemy and follow something else. Are you with me? The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. Amen. You don't have to think about it. All you have to know is that your heart's right, that you love Jesus, and you want God to guide and direct you. Amen? How many expect God's glory to guide and direct you? You should. Amen? There's there's something else I want us to think about. Back in Exodus, Israel was led into places Get this, that were barren where there was no food and no water. The cloud never left. The fire never left. They were still being led by God and God led them into a wilderness with no food and no water. Now how many of us do we have a picture in our mind that if God is leading us by the Spirit that everything's going to be wonderful? Right? You know, it's, it's like a wedding. And I love weddings. We just had a beautiful wedding. Uh, Heather was here and her family, and we had a beautiful wedding. And one of the things they did, they had a, had a, had a beautiful runner down the center aisle. And little Mira, she had a basket. She was the flower girl. And she was throwing these imitation little roses you know, all, all up and down the aisle. And then Heather's sons escorted her in. And it was, it was wonderful. But you know, that's the idea that we have as Christians. We're the bride of Christ. Here's the groom. We're just going down the aisle and we're dancing on roses. We're led by the Spirit. Everything's awesome. Guess what? That doesn't always happen. God led them into places that were dry, that were desert, that were wilderness. And we need to understand that. Because sometimes when when we find ourselves in a situation like that, we think, well, I thought I was being led by the Spirit and here I am. Now, this this is totally different than if you know you're being disobedient to God or you know that you're giving in to the flesh because we've read it. The flesh leads to death. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So we can end up off of God's plan, not being led by the Spirit, if we give in to the flesh or give in to the tricks and the lies of the enemy. But if we're not doing that, and we're following the Spirit, we love the Lord, we're saying, God, guide me, direct, direct me, have your way in my life, we can still end up in situations where it's dry desert and there's no water. In fact, I want you to think about the situation with the Red Sea, and we're gonna, we're gonna close with this. Worship team, you can go ahead and come up. God was leading Israel and he led them to the Red Sea where they were trapped. 
where they couldn't go forward because of the sea. They couldn't go to the left or to the right. And guess what? Then they hear the Egyptians coming behind them. They see the cloud of dust. They were trapped. And you say, but they were following the presence of God. They were following the cloud and the fire by night. So why did God do that? Church, sometimes God will lead us into situations where there is no escape because he wants you to trust in him. He wants you to know his presence is still there and he is still going to make a way where there seems to be no way. Amen? God told Moses to stretch his rod out over the sea and the sea parted. And he, what did he say? Be still and watch the salvation of the Lord. God was still leading. He was still guiding. He had a plan. He was going to destroy the enemy and do a miracle in their life and continue to guide and direct them. And sometimes, church, we find ourselves in the wilderness. Instead of dancing down the aisle in a wedding, guess what? We're, we're, there's no water. There's no food. It's hot. It's dry. It's a desert. We end up up against the Red Sea and we can't go one way because of the mountains and one way because of the swamp and the enemy's coming against us. It's in those times you know you still love Jesus. You know you want him to guide and direct you. And it's in those times, church, God is faithful. He is still faithful. He hasn't left you. He hasn't left you. His presence is there. The, the cloud and the, and the fire of God. His presence is there and God has a plan. Turn to somebody and tell them, God's got a plan. And God is going to lead you through the impossible. He's going to part the way and you're going to continue to be led by the Spirit. Amen? So church, don't struggle and get frustrated and doubt, saying, I don't know if I'm being led by the Spirit of God or not. I, I want to be, but I, I'm afraid I'm not, and I'm afraid I'm going to get into a jam. You just love Jesus and say, God, I want you to lead me by your Spirit every moment of every day. Help me not to listen to the flesh. Help me not to listen to the enemy. And Lord, wherever you take me, I'm going to trust you. Amen. You're going to make a way. Let's stand. I don't know about y'all, but I like this a whole lot more than y'all did today, I think. I want to be led by the Spirit, and I want our church to be a Spirit-led church. And the Spirit-led church begins with saying yes to Jesus. And as Todd mentioned earlier, there's nothing more important in your life than beginning your walk with Christ. And as our prayer team comes forward and comes around the back of the auditorium, I want to invite you today, if you've never made a commitment to Christ, come find one of the prayer team and they'll pray with you and you can begin your journey with Jesus. Or maybe you're here today and maybe it's been a long time since you've 
been in the Lord's house, maybe you want to recommit your heart and life to the Lord. You, you just feel, Lord, I, I want to start afresh with you. I, I'm committed to you. And Lord, I want to be closer and closer to you than ever before. If that's your heart today, then find one of our prayer team members and recommit your heart and life to Jesus. Or maybe you've struggled with being led by the Spirit, what we've been talking about today. And you just want to rest in God's presence and know that the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. That He is guiding you. He is directing you. Whatever you have a need of today, we want to pray with you. We want to agree with you. And I want to, as you, as you step out from where you are and come and find one of our team, I'm just going to pray a general prayer for all of us. And I'm going to ask you to bow your head with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you have promised, Lord, what you promised Israel, your presence, your guidance. Lord, that you have promised your presence and your guidance to us. And Lord, as we go forward, Lord, help us just to rest in that. Lord, help us not to get distracted by the flesh and follow the flesh. And Lord, help us not to hear the lies of the enemy that will lead us to destruction. But Lord, every day when we wake up, Lord, let us acknowledge this is the day the Lord has made and I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. And Lord, that this is the day I'm going to go forward. I'm going to go forward in you. Lord, I want your spirit to lead me and guide me. And Lord, if you take me into a corner where it seems like there's no escape, help me just to trust you to lean on you, to know that you haven't left me, and to know that you're going to part the waters, you're going to lead me through, and you're going to get me all the way to Canaan. Lord, that's our prayer for our church. That's our prayer for each and every one of us. Lord, guide us by the Holy Spirit. Direct us. Lead us. Lord, we just ask it in Jesus' name. Would you join the worship team as they lead us in a, in a chorus and just give your worship to the Lord today. And if you have a prayer need, just find one of the prayer team and pray with them.